0: Land, you have such a dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports Podcast. What do we cover on this show? We might cover MMA, we might cover boxing, we might cover kickboxing, Muay Thai, any and everything on the old landscape of the Combat Sports front. Today my guest is going to be Mike Morgan. You might know him from as the host of the Shots Fire Pod, possibly the WOCast he is so awesome. It's a great interview. I can't wait for you guys to check it out a little bit later. So let's go ahead and get into our intro and our schedule for today. Today's episode, we'll, have a, we'll cover a little bit of Bellator, just a couple of fights. My full breakdown, of course, of UFC on ABC2. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for UFC Vegas 24 next weekend. Another fantastic round of questions and answers with the old Rhino gang gang, gang. And then, like I said, MMA media powerhouse, and my dear friend Mike Morgan is the next person to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So, oh, also, I don't want to be, I don't want to bury another part of the lead, but just remember that later on in the show, big, big, big announcement concerning the old Rhino, so stay tuned for that. So let's go ahead and get into our Bellator 256. Like I said, just a couple of fights. I definitely wanted to cover Dalton Rasta, recent member of the Rhino gang, gang, gang. He got a nice unanimous decision win over Tony Johnson at 185 pounds. And then the main event from that from Friday night's card was uh, Ryan Bader versus Leoto Machida. This one wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. Ryan Bader got the clear cut unanimous decision, avenging his 2012 loss by knockout to Leoto the Dragon Machida. All right, that's enough from Bellator 256. Let's go ahead and get into the meat of the matter. UFC on ABC2. Our first prelim was Impa Kasangane versus Sasha Palatnikov um, Impa coming off of, as we all saw, you know, one of the knockouts of the year, unfortunately got that, that spinning kick to the face. And that's kind of our last imagery of him, but he put on a good display uh, in the first round and then early in the second, he got the RNC just 26 seconds in, uh, got the submission finished. Great win for Impa. I hope, like I said before, even after he lost, I think this kid has a, has a super high ceiling. I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, where he goes from here. Then in our next fight, we had uh, Da Yoon Jung versus William Knight. I-, I called this one correctly, but I was really back and forth, and I didn't know which one was going to happen on this. Um, da Yoon Jung got the unanimous decision over William. It was pretty clean cut. I thought, you know, again, it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, but good win for Jung over William Knight. Uh, then moving into the one that was kind of BS, and I know I'm biased because I've had, I've had Jordan Griffin on my show. He's, he's Rhino Gang Gang Gang, and... uh But even with the biased eyes, I thought it was pretty clear-cut that Luis Saldana won the first round and that Jordan won the second and the third, but the judges did not see it that way. So Luis Saldana gets the win over Jordan Griffin in the 145-pound division on that one uh, via UD. Moving into 135 pounds, we had Jack Shore versus Hunter Azure. Uh, This was a feeling-out process early. Then Shore uh, kind of unexpectedly initiated the clinch. But Hunter ended up on top. I gave Hunter the first round for sure. Azure on top of Shore landing GNP the last thirty seconds. Um, Asia was 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 doing you know more landing. Uh, and again, Jack pressured him up against the second uh, and towards the second middle of the second third. Then we get into the third round, and then I was it was Jack Shore. He pressed uh, Hunter up against the cage, had a couple of takedowns. I, I actually thought I was leaning towards Hunter Azure as winning this fight. But they gave the split decision to Jack Shore. Again, I don't know. I picked Jack Shore, so I was okay with that. But I kind of thought Hunter won that fight as well. Uh, moving into the the 265-pound division, went Jorgen DeCastro versus Jargis Danho. Uh, Jorgen, who I love. I've had him on the show recently. What a great guy. I think he's a really good fighter with lots of power. He ran into a really, really big shot. It was a huge KO in the first round for, for Danho. Um, yeah, it was a straight right hand put. Put Jorgen on the mat. It happens, especially in the heavyweight division. The, the commentators even said, look, in this division, no matter what, if you get hit just right, you will go to sleep. And that's what happened. You know, it's no, it's no skin off Jorgen's nose. It's, he just literally got caught with a really hard shot behind the ear. Uh, Jad yeah, Danho got the big win. That's all there is to it. So still love you, Jorgen, and I, we, I, we really hope to see you back. Uh, and then, next moved into this. is what This was my fight of the night, guys. The the 155-pound divisions, John mcdessey versus Ignacio Bahamundes, this one was awesome. Ignacio was using his range and head movement early, collecting some really nice um quick, quick jabs. You know what I mean? And then he got some nice body shots in there. It was all going well for Ignacio early. And then John hit him with a huge punch, put him on his ice skates, uh, really made him kind of have to respect John a little bit more and not pressure so much. The second round, again, they were trading. It was beautiful. Both guys landing huge, hard shots. Uh, They both hurt each other. Uh, It was more of the same in the third. I mean, really, both had success on the feet. I I thought it was such a close fight. I did give it to John McDessie as well, which is why the judges saw it. Well, two anyway, because it was a split decision for John McDessie. But for me, this was my fight of the night. This was the most competitive. This was the most back and forth. This had the most violence. It was just awesome. Big shout out to John McDessie and Ignacio. Fantastic fight for both of you guys. So then we move our way back. Well, we stay in the 155-pound division. We had Mateus Gamrot versus Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. Uh, This one was an early single leg takedown for Gamrot. Uh, And then Scott got dropped by a beautiful dude, and I mean beautiful, crisp, straight right hand, jumped on top of him. This is the second round. Jumped on top of Hot Sauce, got the little bit of ground and pound for the finish. Big second round TKO win for Mateus Gamrot over a very tough Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. Very cool fight. Moving into the feature prelim, we're also, again, staying in the lightweight division. We had Jim Miller. And before I even get into the fight, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, what an impressive feat that he set a record. Uh, his record setting, a 37th fight uh, for the UFC. And I think he had 49 overall. What an incredible feat for a guy uh, who's been around for forever, who's been competitive with everybody. Great job for Jim Miller. Jim Miller started out well. Um, you know, Joe Selecki pulled guard, Jim Miller stayed on top pretty much the whole time. And then the next two rounds were just Joe taking Jim down, getting on top, not a whole lot happening. Joe Selecki kind of did what he had to do to win. Wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. <laughs> I got to go with, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I i do not want to see that again, to be honest with you. So yeah, Joe Selecki got the unanimous decision in our feature prelim. Moving into the main of main card, I should say. For the UFC on ABC2, we had Daniel Rodriguez versus Mike Perry. Um, This one was fun to watch because Daniel Rodriguez, the entire fight, just smashing Mike Perry with quick, quick jabs, one-twos, getting out of the way. Beautiful inside leg kicks, man. He did a great job kind of going inside, outside with those leg kicks. Mike Perry got slower and slower as time went on. He couldn't ever figure out the distance. Daniel did a great job of staying in range, staying out of range of Perry's big power, Really, really slick stuff from Daniel Rodriguez. He gets the unanimous decision over Mike Platinum Perry. Do we see Mike Platinum Perry anymore? I doubt it. He can go over to BKFC or somewhere else as far as I care. Moving into Mackenzie Dern versus Nina Nunez. Mackenzie Dern, man. there is It is a puzzle that no one's really been able to solve. If she gets you on the ground... It doesn't matter how good your Nina Ansaroff is, a good fighter, particularly stand-up, but she's got to have solid ground game, you know, training out of ATT, being a long-time veteran. But Mackenzie Dern is on another level with jiu-jitsu. She was able to secure after, you know, she worked her way down across the body, worked her way to the mount, and then worked her way to the arm bar. Got an arm bar in the first round over Nina Nunes. Mackenzie Dern, first-round submission win um big win for her and then she's got some interesting stuff coming up i think 115 pounds so we'll see what happens next i got a question about that in the rhino gang as well um then we move into the middleweight division we had julian marquez the cuban missile crisis versus smiling sam alvey this one was a fun first round a nice left early from sam alvey hurt julian uh they had some nice nice exchanges both guys kind of got hurt in the first round they were really coming out hard and then in the second boy Sam landed an early hook, which seemed to wake Julian up. And then Julian landed his own left hook, dropped Sam, jumped on top, hammer fist, hammer fist, hammer fist, dude. Then he slapped around, turned around, kind of got a rear naked choke in a squatting position. Julian Marquez put Sam Alvey out. Second round submission for Julian Marquez over smiling Sam Alvey at 185 pounds. Moving into our co-main event. I call this one way wrong, dude. <laughs> we had super Sadiq, Youssef versus Arnold Allen. Um, again, I thought super Sadiq was going to be able to catch Arnold. I I think Arnold Allen is a fantastic fighter. And I think he has all the tools to be a fan, you know, a, a top level guy moving forward at 145. But I thought Sadiq was going to be able to catch him. Not that way. I thought, um, you know, they were pretty close. Sadiq actually outlanded Arnold, but when Arnold hit him a few times, it really hurt him. Uh, he had a straight left that hurt Sadiq early. Arnold's head kick wobbled Sadiq in the second round. Sadiq was able to clinch and kind of, you know, clear the cobwebs. But the first and the second clearly went to Arnold with those big, you know, dramatic strikes. The third round really could have gone either way, but it was the right call to give Arnold Allen the uh, decision in that one. So, I definitely had that one wrong. And speaking of ones that I had wrong, we got Kevin Holland versus Marvin Vittori. So, Kevin Holland just on three weeks notice uh, came out, came in on short notice to fight Marvin Vittori, who was supposed to fight Darren Till. This one was the first round. I could see Kevin Holland, what he wanted to do, throw nice kicks, keep distance, stay away from Vittori. Vittori took a little while to figure out but then almost literally, you could just kind of copy and paste rounds two through five. Just Marvin Vittori bowling his way in, either pushing Kevin up against the cage or getting a takedown in the middle. Getting on top, staying on top, not doing a ton of damage, but not being, you know, hardly ever was able, Kevin, able to get him off of it, at least in a timely fashion, and then get his own offense off. So, yeah. Very, very clear unanimous decision for Marvin Vittori and kind of a snoozer of a five round decision for Marvin Vittori. So that is our recap of UFC on ABC2. D Reigns, let's go ahead and give Dre a call, get her world famous top of the night. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our world famous Drea's drop of the night. We've got our feature play Andrea joining us again once this once again. Yeah, once again, once again this week. <laughs> feature play Dreya. There was a bevy of things to choose from that could amount to Drea's drop of the night. Which one did you land on for this week's world famous Dreya's drop of the night? Drea!
1: All I can say is, holy shit, heavyweight knockouts are nasty. Uh, My Drea's drop of the night is going to come from UFC. uh, Jargis Dan Ho versus Jorgen DeCastro. Just three minutes into the first round, DeCastro, he was starting to open up and walking Jargis down. And then Jorgen threw a jab. Jardis slips it, throws this short right hook right to the Temple of Jorgen, and it was just lights out for DeCastro. He folded him, he dropped to the ground, and it was, it was done though. So my Drea's drop of the night goes to Jargis Dano. Boo! I know. <laughs> I wasn't happy about it. I was really rooting for Jorgen. And oh, it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, know, it's know, unfortunate
1: it. that he took the, the L like that. Oh, yeah. But it was a beautiful drop. So
0: Absolutely, yeah. No question about it. I don't mean boo that you chose that. I just mean boo that it happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big, big, big win for, for Jargis over our guy, Jorgen DeCastro. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead look ahead to next week's card. Right now, they've only got four on the main card. I'm sure that will change to maybe five, possibly six. We know how they work. But right now, there's only four listed fights on the main card. So why don't we go ahead and get our picks into those? And once again, Drea and I tied last night in our picks. I was beating her, <laughs> and then Vittori had to go and put on the snooze fast win against Holland to give her the win. So, i <laughs>
1: not the win, the tie. Well, I lost my losing streak. I guess that's good for you we're we're tired but i lost my i would rather lose
0: (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) all righty so let's go ahead and get our main card picks of course i will go ahead and get us started i've got dracar close over jeremy stevens via ko in the second round i think this one has all the capability of being a fantastic knock down drag out stand up just lead type of fight dracar close over jeremy stevens ko two. what about you future play Andrea? Um,
1: I agree with you, except for the person getting the KO. I think Jeremy's gonna take it. I know he's coming off a few losses, and I think he's really gonna come in there trying to redeem himself. So I'm going Jeremy Stevens KO uh over Jakar in round two.
0: I'm feeling real confident I'm gonna beat you next week already. I'm just okay. that out there right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping. Uh, I like Jeremy Stevens, so okay. I hope that's, he gets a win because he that's he I think he's had four losses.
0: Let's go ahead and move into our next fight. We've got the heavyweight collision between Juan Espino and Alex Romanoff. I had a very hard time with this one. I went back and forth. They are both very evenly matched, really, really skilled heavyweights. I I really was leaning towards Romanoff first, but then I switched it last minute. I'm going Juan Espino over Alex Romanoff in a very, very close unanimous decision. What's your call on that one, Drea?
1: I, like you, was going back and forth, and I think this is definitely going to be an on-the-ground um, grappling match. But yeah. I'm go, I'm going Alexander uh, Romanoff, and I think it's going to be tough, but I think he's going to get the sub in the round
0: three. Round three sub for Alex. All righty. Let's move into uh, Bartosz Fabinski versus Gerald Mearchart. Uh, I think Mirchart is not the fighter that he once was. I think Bartosz-Wabinski is going to TKO Gerald in the second round, standing strikes. What about you?
1: Um, I'm taking Bartosz as well, but I'm going with the unanimous decision over Gerald.
0: All right. And then, of course, our main event. We've got Robert the Reaper Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. I think Robert Whitaker is going to dominate this fight. I think it's going to be from pillar to post from start to finish. I think it's Robert Whitaker all day. I do think Kelvin is tough and will be able to stay in the fight. I've got until towards the end, I've got Robert Whitaker winning by fifth round TKO. That's TKO in the fifth round. What say you pitch play, Andrea?
1: I am taking Whitaker uh, with the unanimous decision. I think Kelvin, Kelvin's going to be not necessarily a tough fight, but he's he's going to stay in it with him. But I do think that Robert Whitaker is just going to outland him. He's going to outpoint him, and he's going to get the the UD.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's go ahead and dive into our Twitter questions. And our first one comes from our dear homie from up in Canada, Rage Sweet Potato. Rajon, what do you got for us this week, my dude?
1: In the NFL, NHL, NBA MLB, and PGA, have all made (laughs) rule changes of varying degrees in the last 25 years, some minor, some major. I'm pretty sure that all these leagues have one thing in common, private ownership and regulation, unlike MMA, in which only the promotion is privately owned and the sport is regulated by the state. The NFL is well known to be one of the most physically devastating leagues to play in, the injuries that rival and even uh, exceed MMA. Do you think MMA would be better off under self regulation like the major sport leagues or under a single federally uh, regulated body that oversees all rules? And how far away do you think that we are from any kind of substantial changes other than minor tweaks to the unified rules?
0: The first part is this I I don't know if they would necessarily be better off with a unified, like, you know, global rule set or a global federation if you will and here's why first of all i want whatever's going to i want to happen whatever is going to get the fighters to get a bigger share of the revenue for fighters to have more say uh have more power and in, in controlling their careers i'm all for that whatever what happens that would make that happen i'm for that right the problem I see with a, like, a global set or a global federation or, or something that all the rules are applied to every single organization is if you don't like one situation that you're in, right now you can at least go somewhere else, right? One is where Demetrius Johnson went because he didn't feel like he was being uh, taken care of properly. He didn't feel like he was being marketed correctly by the UFC, even though he's one of their biggest stars. So he moved somewhere else. And again, it's a different rule set. There are different ways you can make money there. It's a whole different organization. Uh, The same thing with the PFL, you know what I mean, with with Bellator. I like the fact that there are options for fighters if a current situation isn't working out for you. The the fact that there are different rule sets for different promotions. Hey, that's part of it. You know, you've got to learn them. You've got to adjust and adapt to that. My concern is that I don't see that ever happening, where there being one sanctioning body, right? It never happened in boxing, really. It never happened in any other combat sport where there's One sanctioning body that goes across the board, everybody follows the same thing. It just I just don't see that ever happening, dude, because that would require people like Dana and other organizations, um, presidents, CEOs, to relinquish some power and some control. And I don't see that happening anytime soon, to be honest with you. Um, I don't mind there being different rule sets from different organizations, but again, at the end of the day, I want whatever's gonna happen that will get fighters a greater share of the revenue that comes into the companies. So whatever that takes or whatever that means, I'm on board with that, my friend. So thank you very much. That is a great question, my dude. And our next one comes from Steffi Haynes, my dear friend, from the Mookie and Crookie Show and Bloody Ubble. What do you got this week, Steffi?
1: Were you more frustrated with Holland during the Brunson fight or the Vittori fight?
0: I was far more frustrated with him for the Vittori fight um, I, I kept thinking like during the Brunson fight, like, okay, he's going to get up like this time. He's going to get up. No, no, no. This time Kevin's going to get up and do something. Like, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it, like, it, like it never did, you know what I mean? It just never uh-huh. happened with Vittori. Now, granted, I cut Kevin some slack because it was a short notice take. I, so I do cut him some slack, but I thought for sure in the intermediate time of the last few weeks of the Brunson fight. And then last night, his coaching staff, him himself, would have been just studying tape and drilling how to avoid a double leg, how to get up from the bottom, all of these things, takedown defense, all of these things I thought were going to be not necessarily shored up, but at least improved. Vittori landed like either a tying or a record breaking amount of takedowns from the middleweight division. So clearly None of that happened in the time between his last fight with Brunson and this fight. So I was more frustrated last night because I thought there'd be slum, some form of improvement in that area. Not a, I didn't expect a ton, right, because it was a short time between last fight and this fight, but I expected mm-hmm. some, and there wasn't. So I was way more frustrated last night than I was the first one. Um, yeah, so that's my answer on that. Clearly, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of jokes where they need to, send Kevin to Dagestan for nine months and he'll come back a phenomenal wrestler. <laughs> and so like, like I seen that, you know, there, there is probably some truth to him really needing just, just focus on getting up from the bottom, takedown defense, that aspect of his MMA game. Cause he's a fantastic striker as we all know. So yeah, that's my take on that one. Steffi, thank you so much for, if you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Steffi. Uh, not only her work for bloody elbow, but her podcasting Mookie and Crookie show. She is fantastic. So big shout out to you, Steffi. All right, if we can go to our next one, I've got my girl Shailen. What does Shailen have for us this week?
1: Is Dern worthy of JJ?
0: I mean, worthy is a tough word. Um, Do I think she's ready for JJ? No, not yet. Mm -mm. Um, It's a great question. I don't think as far as being like an even matchup, we're not there. If Joanna got caught up in that web that we talked about earlier, that it is the Mackenzie Dern Jiu-Jitsu game, of course, Mackenzie could finish her. But she would have to get close enough to Joanna to make that happen. And I don't see that. I see Mm -hmm. Joanna using her beautiful teeps, her lightning fast jab, and all of her great Muay Thai skills to keep Mackenzie away and at bay. Mackenzie couldn't just throw two or three big winding shots to close distance against Joanna, right? Joanna could cut a really hard angle to the right and land like one, two, three, four shots before she even know what hit her, and then she'd be hurt. So again, I think Joanna is still a Full level above Mackenzie Dern in the overall fight game, but like I said, if somehow, some way, Mackenzie was able to get her in to her clutches, get Joanna down, she could of course win the fight. Um, but I don't think that happens. Maybe two out of ten times. So I pick Joanna eight out of ten right now versus Mackenzie Dern. Now, can Mackenzie Dern in the next year or two shore a lot of that up and get her 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 stand-up game to be able to be at least. A couple levels closer to Joanna, absolutely, she could, right? Like, she's got a lot of room. She's very young, she's a very young lady. She's got a lot of room to grow, but as far as right now, is you're in for Joanna, I don't think so at all. Uh, do you have a do you have a chime in on this one there, Pichaclay, Andrea?
1: Not really, I'd have to agree. I mean, I, I have seen that Dern has improved on the feet quite a bit, um, this past year in comparison, you know, to how she was, but she's still pretty, um unpolished has wild swinging and I I think JJ would definitely piece her up on the feet um not even giving her a chance to you know to get her on the ground and submit her so I'd have to agree I don't I don't I hate to say the word worthy because Dern has you know shown a lot of improvement and she is you know a very good fighter so you know worthy yeah she's done some good stuff but I I don't think she's ready that's for sure
0: All righty. Well, I appreciate your take in on that one. Shailen, my dear friend, thank you so much. What a fantastic question. All righty, feature player, Andrea. That's our three Twitter questions for today. Of course, we appreciate you coming in and not only knocking out your Andrea's drop of the night out of the park, but then getting into our Twitter questions. And of course, our predictions for next week, which I'm just really hoping do not end up in a God dang tie again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I hope not.
0: I, know, I hope not to. So thank you once again for joining us this week. We'll have you on again next week. Of course. All right. See you next week. Alrighty, Rhino Gang. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. I know our first one comes from my homie juice from the friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got for us this week? My dude.
2: Oh, Hey, Rhino. It's juice from the friendly sparring podcast. I want to talk about Arnold Allen. A lot of people from the UK think that he is their best shot at uh, a new, uh, their next champion and i would tend to agree with that and sometimes i think it's their i mean sometimes they say the best shot sometimes they say well he's the next champion from the uk and sometimes i think it's their bias but sometimes i'm like i mean he's got the skills um a lot of people rate sadiq yusuf very highly and uh i do as well but i still had arnold allen going into this matchup uh i thought he was going to edge it out like like he did so Um, What are your thoughts on his ceiling? You know, does he contend for a title? Is he top five? What do you think? Get at me. Is Arnold Allen
0: necessarily the next champ from the UK? That I I don't know. It's certainly possible, dude, but... You know, 145 is so deep and talented, and he is a very young guy in his career. I see the ceiling for him being super-duper high. He has all the tools. He is really well-versed in so many things when he's inside the cage. We've seen him finish quickly. We've seen him have long, drawn-out fights. The kid has a huge upside. I'm really, really high on him. Arnold's a very skilled and well-rounded fighter, right? But so are so many other guys in that division. I don't know, man. I don't know when and if we're going to see him ever get to the championship level. And, you know, the U.K. has so many other fantastic fighters who I think could also make a run for a title shot in the next couple of years. Arnold Allen has as good a chance as anybody, Um, I just don't know if he's actually going to be the next one, but I definitely see his ceiling being super-duper high. Thank you so much. Great question, Juice, uh, about Arnold Allen from last night's fights. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Juice at the Friendly Sparring Pod with him and Leo doing their thing. It is awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you, Juice. I know our next question comes from my big homie, d Kronz, also from up in Canada Way. d Kronz, what do you got this week, my brother? Hey, Hey, Rhino, what's going on, my brother? I hope today finds you well. Um... I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the Alvarez and DJ stoppages. Uh, How do you feel about the end of those two fights? And uh, the Venom gear. I would personally love to see fighters have, you know, free reign, get creative. It's more interesting. Perhaps they could make more money. I don't really know. But I just wanted your thoughts on the Venom gear. And, uh... I hope everyone has an awesome Sunday. What's up, Judah? Have a great Sunday, buddy. Rhino gang gang. Oh, okay. So part one, the Eddie stoppage to me was kind of bullshit, dude. Those were, there was only one that I saw really, that was for sure behind the head. They didn't seem like devastating shots to me. I'm not the other fighter. I didn't know the other guy's name, but yeah, the first one the seemed like kind of bullshit. You know, I know Eddie was really upset that he did it and then it was called a DQ. I get that, but yeah, to me, it was kind of a bullshit, you know, kind of a bullshit decision. Uh, the DJ one conversely was it was OK with me. Totally legal shot. The knee to the ground opponent is part of the rule set over there in one fighting championship. So, yeah, I had no problem. I was surprised. You know, I was surprised that DJ lost that week because you never seen him finish. But anybody, anybody on earth takes a really hard knee to the face when they're sitting down, they're going to go out. So, yeah, I was totally fine with that one. Um, I'm with you and then I prefer that the, like, I prefer the time when fighters could have completely custom shorts. They could do whatever they want. They could have their own color schemes. They could be creative, not just kind of like help fit their personality, but kind of increase their little bit of profit, right? Because they could get sponsors on their shorts. So I know it was never a ton of money, but it was a little bit of extra money for somebody, you know, maybe who makes 10 and 10. You know, to get an extra couple grand to have some stuff on your shorts, is a big deal. So I yeah, I'm all for it's not gonna happen now with this venom deal, but I'm all for that's my dog champ in the background hacking up a furball or something. <laughs> so champ, champ is doing the conversation, but yeah, dude, I, I'm I mean the Venom shorts are what they are, it's just like Reebok 2.0 to me. You know, I think some of their stuff looks pretty cool. But yeah, I just wish they could go back to having their own custom shorts and doing it up the way that they want to do it. So yeah, um, that's, that's my opinion. So I definitely share that opinion with you, d Thank you so much, my brother. And yes, as we love to say, we shout out our homie Judah, the combat sports of Rhino mascot, the bulldog friends. Thank you very much, my brother. All right, let's go ahead and get into our um, 10 rounds of Rhino with Mike Morgan of the Shots Fired and WOCast after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration, they got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done, they got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest. We're going a little bit outside the box today on CSWR. We don't have a professional fighter today. No, no, no. That's been done. Today's episode is featuring my man, the man, the myth, the legend, the host of the wokecast and Shots Fired Pods, my good friend, Mike Morgan. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Before we go any further, let's just get the formalities out of the way. You know I say this week in, week out, but I'm glad I'm having the opportunity to actually say, share this with your listeners as well. You are the podcaster's podcast you are doing phenomenal work my man it's very very rare very very rare for another podcast I believe to do what you've been doing for the longest while and consistently my brother congratulations on what you're doing keep on doing it because you're doing it well
0: Oh, Mike Morgan, coming from somebody like you, dude, that just makes my head swell to the rafters. I'm going to float away here. <laughs> Thank you so very much for the compliment, my friend. I really, really appreciate it. But this interview is all about my man, Mike Morgan. It's all about you. So get ready to get 10 rounds with Rhino. Yes, sir. I'm first ready. Round. How did my dude Mike Morgan first get into the wild, wacky world of mixed martial arts?
3: Now, you know something, I started out as an entertainment journalist round about, I know it's going to shock you, 25 years ago. Now, I started off um, reviewing music singles and um, doing music reviews, and then kind of like, I suppose segued into film reviewing. And that's when I started to do things on the BBC. Basically, a lot of it was audio, um, as well as, um, journalistically, um, for newspapers. So not only was I writing about the latest films, but I was rocking up on the red carpet. I was doing bits and pieces um, for a very, very small and obscure cable, at the time, TV company. And I had my own show on it. So all of that kind of like was crafting was creating was actually um upskilling me in terms of journalism and it really came to a head in terms of where i was going in that particular field when i was talking to the bbc about having my own show and this was going to be a weekly review news and interview show around and talking about film now they ummed and and it was a very long and protracted conversation. So long that I thought to myself, why am I actually begging for crumbs off somebody else's table? Why don't I go and build a table for myself? So I did. I set up Woe TV. WoeTV.com essentially started off as film news reviews and interviews talking to the good and the great because I'd used a lot of the contacts which I'd taken from uh, my time at the BBC and from my time in the newspapers and actually just transported those contacts and uh, started the conversation to continue the conversations that I started with those contacts over at my own outlet, WOTB.com. So I'd rock up to the red carpet and I would do interviews just for YouTube. So it was essentially powered by YouTube as, a, as a I suppose, as the back end, providing the, the video hosting. And I would basically just put together interviews with those people on the red carpet, sit-downs. They were big names as well. I was really proud of that, you know, the, the client list. I mean, you know, okay, he's, he's, he's fallen from grace now, but Kevin Spacey I had on the show, Brandon Ralph. Ice Cube, I mean, you name it, there were some real big hitters. So having started off Boy TV as an entertainment channel, I have been a lifelong, I'm talking from the inception of UFC, uh, mixed martial arts fan. So having seen the landscape, it was bare. There was nobody actually doing reportage, nobody doing interviews, news or interview um, reviews um, on shows. Or even backstage stuff, getting like an insight into what actually goes on behind the curtain. I thought, I'm going to be that guy. So then I segued into doing interviews, news and uh, reviews for MLA. And that's where Wo TV was actually born. Woe TV has, has the form that you see it now. And that is primarily dealing with news views and interviews, not just uh in the written form but also podcasting because as you know i also run the Wocast and shots fired with uh three formidable hitters g chisanga and kairos in the uh, mma sphere space
0: don't, don't go too
3: far into those
0: guys because i got a question about those specifically a little bit later uh, okay <laughs> so dude you you segue perfectly into the next question mike in addition to mma you have you've been a guy who's always been huge into movies uh, as you like to say, the cinema. <laughs> was there a particular Was there a particular movie you remember, well, like as a kid or as a young guy, where you were like fascinated, where it really drew you into the world of movies more so than others? Like a poignant moment in your, you know, cinematic life.
3: One hundred percent. I would say, um, without hesitation, it would have to be Citizen Kane. Not only with the performances, wow. because I love the theatrics of the setup. Not only were the performances brilliant, enthralling, not only were they captivating and beguiling, but the way in which the cinema roves from foreground to background to basically the way in which cinematography and photography was actually employed in that film was groundbreaking for the time. And not a lot of movies have actually um, captured that spirit since. So, not only was it performance led. Um, Not only was it a visual masterpiece, but the story in terms of narrative structure, the way it goes backwards and forwards in terms of time and the the structure in terms of storytelling, absolutely amazing. So that for me kind of like stands not only the test of time, um, both uh, visually, but thematically and narratively. That's why it will always be my standalone piece when I point to what, is i think quintessential in terms of cinema
0: absolutely dude the the thing you kind of touched on as well is you've interviewed many people in the entertainment world before you got into the mma
3: world do you yeah. remember
0: your first what, what we would call like a famous fighter that you interviewed and how did that actually come about and how did that go off for you
3: first fighter was carlos Vermola. Carlos Fomola was a heavyweight at the time, and that was my first introduction to interviewing his manager at the time um, was a, a a reformed gangster, and uh, I love the way in which this story has has this arc because he was doing some incredible things with with fighters and like keeping them on the, on a straight and narrow, but also living his truth because as somebody who'd actually fallen. Um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking? Uh, off off the beaten track in terms of okay. uh, morals and morality. Um, his name was Alan Mortlock. He'd actually gone back um, to what essentially was his calling, and that was, I suppose, being a standard bearer for um, fighters and how you can actually make it out of uh, the quote-unquote game. So Carlos Romulo was my first muse, as it were, and um, we put together... Um, a piece which was essentially a, a behind the scenes look of him actually preparing for a fight and I have to say it was many many moons ago but it's it stuck out to me because I made a lot of mistakes in the actual filming I made a lot of mistakes in terms of narrative structure I made a lot of mistakes in terms of editing and that always I would say enabled me to kind of like use those learnings to catapult me onto you know um bigger and i, su- I suppose more grand productions and, and you know really and truly i i've got a lot to to, to thank carlos for Mola and indeed um alan mortlook for because without them there wouldn't have been that catalyst there wouldn't have been that interest i don't think there would have been that access that i got because i knew those two guys
0: yeah, precisely, dude. And that, and that's a fantastic story about the first uh, the first interview you ever had. I was always kind of curious about that. I was like, wonder who you ever talked to first. I know forever. Mine was Serena De Jesus, So oh, she will okay. forever have a special place, a special place in my heart, man. You know what I mean? Because uh, she was my very first interview of somebody in that world. Uh, yeah. And I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it definitely sticks around. So, Mike, I, too, you and I are men of a similar age. You and I have been <laughs> around for a long time in this game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was one of the dudes in 1993 who got UFC 1 from Blockbuster on VHS, bro. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, we've both been around a long time. We've seen kind of the progression of, U- of the UK fighters coming into high-level mixed martial arts. I have a very distinct feeling, of course, with the growth of Bellator and the UFC as to why. But I think an underappreciated or maybe underlooked at storyline is is Cage Warriors, I think Cage Warriors as a promotion has been a fantastic feeding ground for fighters from the UK to develop skills to have high level competition previous to getting into what we call the big promotions. Yeah. Do you have kind of a do you kind of think the same thing about Cage Warriors? Do you see that as being one of the reasons that the UK has really caught up to other parts of the world as far as, you know, having stars of the UFC, even having Michael Bisping as a champion or, or whoever. Do you think that is one of the main like driving forces as to British MMA's success over the last 10 or 15 years?
3: I would say that they have been um, uh, the ultimate um, breeding ground, feeding ground, proving ground for those fighters who are actually looking to get into the UFC or even larger promotions. But I think it'd be remiss of me if I didn't actually also make reference to and call out and actually you know give their flowers um ultimate challenge uh, MMA, uh formerly known as Cage Rage we have to remember a lot of the big name fighters that who actually went on to um the UFC you know actually cut their teeth in Cage Rage but as well as that Bama uh, I think if I remember rightly they're called the British Association of Mixed Martial Arts. That's they crack, were an yeah. integral part as well. So I would say as well as cage warriors, you have to you know, pay tribute or I have to pay tribute to UCMMA and Bama. Um, I would say those three um, would be the, the pinnacle and uh, highly regarded within UK mixed martial arts when it comes to you know, talking about this sport.
0: I definitely am glad you brought up cage rage I specifically remember because you know before I was huge in MMA I've been a boxing guy my whole life you know I remember yeah. a David Hay fight I don't remember which David Hay fight it was but I remember David Hay got a pretty significant win and in the post fight interview he was like they were like what are you gonna do he was like he was like oh I'm gonna go watch cage rage <laughs> and I thought oh wow you know this was on a very cool like a big pay-per-view right in a boxing mm. world where everybody, everybody's boxing eyes were on it, and I thought it was so cool that such a high-level boxing person, a high-level fighter, was talking about like a regional MMA promotion. I specifically remember that, so I appreciate you bringing that up as well, my dude. Um, so everyone, and I oh, think, go, go, ahead, go
3: ahead. I think just, just so just to jump in there, I think it would be again the height of bad manners for me not to also recognize the fact that in terms of reporting on the sport, you know, and I know that. If you cannot get in, if you, especially when you're talking about backstage, not just reporting from the case, case side, if you cannot get in backstage, then your reportage, your stories that you're telling are going to be very, very samey. They're going to be very, very um, reminiscent of what everybody else is capturing to differentiate yourself. You have to kind of like go for a different angle. I would say Dave o- O'Donnell, who CEO, chief uh instigator of um, Cage Rage stroke UCMMA allowed me that breadth, allowed me that access, allowed me that sort of like um, credibility uh, to be built up by accessing the fighters backstage, which again kind of like built the repertoire and allowed me to springboard into successive uh, interviews. But not only that to kind of like learn about um, the nuances of UK mixed martial arts as well. So I think that I, I I couldn't actually go any further without actually calling him out because it was Dave who um, led me to Jimmy Emanuel. Jimmy Emanuel was my second uh, quote-unquote muse, as it were, and it was um, Dave O'Donnell who facilitated that. He made that happen. And that's where, again, a lot of this, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like goes about saying, but... Access to Fitus is based on credibility, it's based on trust, and it's based on your portfolio. And it was Jimmy Manuel who enabled me to get that portfolio, to actually get that quality. But again, it's the intro thing as well. He introduced me far and wide to people who, you know, have become big names. Without a doubt, dude. And, you know, that's one thing that I'm glad you
0: brought up that I don't think maybe gets discussed enough also. And that's that to get into this game and to become successful at it, you have to have help along the way. You know what I mean? And there are so many people who are so fascinated with this world. And without somebody who is a... You know, someone who has a reputation as being a stand up person who actually like grabs you by the hand and pulls you along and gives you those introductions, you're not yeah. really going to get to a certain point. So, we all have those people, and I'm, I'm glad that Jimmy Manuel was that for you and David, the man you just mentioned as well. Uh, great, great stuff, dude. That was a great look, look kind of behind the curtain as to kind of what a lot of us are looking to do, right? So, everybody knows, Mike, I'm a huge shots fired woke fan. I have been, I heard it for the first time. Can we talk Thank about you, man. all this? You're very welcome, sir. Can we talk about how this fearsome foursome came to be? How did the how did this group of powerful, incredible broadcasters come to form one alliance on the Shots Fired pod?
3: I'd been looking for a while for a co-host in terms of somebody who I felt embodied the Woe TV brand in terms of being brash, being loud saying things about chess, but more importantly, not afraid to back it in person or online, because you can say a lot of things in terms of your viewpoint, but you've got to be able to back it, not just online, but ultimately when you see um, who you're talking about, whether they be managers, whether they be fighters, whether they be individuals within the game. And the only person who was actually on that wavelength, on that brand or living those brand values for me, that I saw on Twitter was G and I love the fact that whenever challenge she would have really and, and truly no compunction or sorry, no, um, no, no kind of like, um, well, leave no doubt in people's minds, her thoughts. And she would back that every single time. And I love that courage as well, because you know yourself, look, she's got a lot of haters, but she's not afraid to speak her truth and to live it as well. So I actually asked her in the DMs, look, I would be honored if you would actually come and join me to um, co-host or to actually host a weekly, because at the time I was doing it quite sporadically in terms of um, reportage using um, podcasts. So I wanted to up my game in terms of um, making things a bit more consistent. So I said to her, it'd be great if you could join me on a weekly basis and she was all for that so that seemed to be going really really well she introduced me um to kairos and i said it would be amazing if he could actually provide kind of um i I suppose a segment giving his views and giving um his perspective on an issue so (laughs) then that kind of like I suppose spring, springboard, or kind of like segued into like the weekly segment, which he then took over. And then I wanted for a long while to have uh, an additional British voice on there, and the only person I could think of who would be able to do it justice was Chisanga, because not only does he have the gravitas in terms of he's bringing a professional angle to the party, he's bringing a professional angle to the table, because you know he is a he's a he's a proper journalists having worked for you know the broadsheets but um his perspective again is very very on point and it's steeped in experience but more importantly um he's not afraid to speak his mind and he's not afraid to back it so all kind of like four of us live the brand values and it's not as though we're kind of like um singing from a quote-unquote hymn sheet these are it's, it's just kind of ingrained in our psyche so that's how the foursome came together
0: Dude, and it is a powerful force of nonetheless. I can't imagine anybody listens to my show who hasn't at least checked out the, the Wocast before or Shots Fire, but it is a fantastic, passionate Incredible look at mixed martial arts and beyond. I implore everybody to at least give it a shot. It's one of my most favorite podcasts on the entire landscape, and I say that all the time. You know, I'm not just kissing ass because I got my my homie on the show. I've been saying that for forever, and that's absolute fact. So, hope everybody gives that a check out if they haven't already. So, Mike, right now is a very exciting time in MMA. Lots of things coming up, lots of incredible matchups, at least on paper. I looked at a few that I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that's actually happening. What you know, what's gonna go down? How's this gonna work? What what's gonna happen during this fight? Is there anything, one or two fights right now that are on the books, not you know, not fantasy booking, but are already have already been signed, sealed, and delivered? What yeah. on this landscape are you looking at it? Give me a fight or two that you are really looking forward to in the upcoming couple of months.
3: You know what? I, I have to admit, and uh, full disclosure. I am a Conor McGregor stan. I love the fact that the first time I had an introduction to him was, um, it was on a regional show and he hadn't even been signed to the UFC. I didn't even know who this guy was. He wasn't a name. He was sat cage side and there was something intense. There was something compelling. There was something magnetic about him. And I was filming behind the scenes at this um, mixed martial arts event and I couldn't keep my camera off him. And I just couldn't work out what it was. And I later found out, obviously, seeing him um, do his work on um, Cage Warriors before being signed to the UFC, that, you know, my instincts were right. And like I say, from then, I've been kind of like transfixed on his kind of like journey. And let's face it, look, he has changed the game. No one can actually lay testimony or um, deny the testimony that he has actually unequivocally, or I would say I don't think there's anybody who has changed the landscape that he has. He has certainly actually changed the narrative in terms of fight to pay. I think he's changed the narrative in terms of uh, superstardom. He's transcended um, just small hall mentality to mainstream. It's incredible. So I'm of course looking forward to Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor 3. Not only because um, I, I hate to say I told you so, but when he actually exited um, the second outing, I said immediately that the next thing is going to be a rematch. And I was laughed out of town online. People said, are you crazy? The way in which he was dominated, knocked out on his or on, the, on his ass, on the canvas. There's no way that's going to happen. So I'm glad that, you know, a lot of people are no longer laughing at me and kind of, you know, maybe taking things a little bit more seriously in that what Conor McGregor wants, he gets. So that, I have to say, is definitely head and shoulders above um, everything in terms of what I, I'm actually looking forward to. But, you know, I, I have to say, um, a few days ago, I, I, uh, I, I put out on Twitter that Austin Vanderford and, um, and uh, Fabian Edwards, Would be um, matched. I think uh, the date was the 21st of May. I am thoroughly looking forward to that. Bellator, I don't think, gets its props in terms of matchmaking because you do have to sift through the the wheat and the chaff to get to some real gems. But I think when they do matchmaking, this is like a a real kind of like um, good example of good matchmaking over at bellator and uh i can't wait to see this
0: oh fantastic dude yeah i think a lot of people and and you've talked about it on your show as well and i I, of course have listened and I definitely am one of those people who follows Bellator pretty closely. I think more so than a lot. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a perfect matchup for mm-hmm. this stage of their careers to kind of see where Austin Vanderford is to kind of see where Fabian Edwards is. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm absolutely looking forward to that. A lot of questions will be answered out of that matchup uh, for Mr. Van Zandt. Right. <laughs> Mike, we have a. <clears throat> excuse me. We have careened our way into the ninth round. And the ninth round is always about food. Now we're switching it up on you. So okay. let's say let's let's say you've had a great week. You are mm. fitness, you had a lot of, you've had a lot of bike rides, okay? You're feeling good, you're feeling fit, you're feeling healthy and you feel like, you know what? I've earned myself an indulgence meal. I'm going to go ham on my most favorite food that I really just want to get down on. Mm-hmm. What are you getting and where are you getting it from?
3: It is uh, an extra-large pizza from Papa John's. Now, I got cursed out on Spaces. uh, If you have not checked out Spaces, head over to my account, Get Following, because Spaces basically is the new clubhouse on Twitter. But I got cursed out on Spaces because of my combination I have a half and half I have half mighty meaty and this is like all of the meats that you can think of whether it's beef whether it's pork whether it's sausage whether it's basically it's every single meat that you can think of on one half and the (laughs) other half I have the other half I have like, like hold on hold on now the other half I have is anchovy anchovy and olives is the perfect combination It is absolutely phenomenal incredible so that is my go-to after the hard week hard drive hard ride that is my go-to love it
0: I, I I cannot say I would have even one slice of the second half of that Mike Morgan specialty. But as all of you, my friend, I respect your right to have your own taste buds and have your own thought on what goes on a pizza. I am a I am a uh, red pepper, red pepper flake sausage, and then actually I like chicken. I like chicken on it.
3: So, oh, okay. I go chicken
0: sausage, red pepper, and red pepper, sometimes onion, sometimes not, uh, and then hot sauce on the pizza and then ranch to dip it in. So, that's kind of my little weird rhino concoction. So, Adam, I'm, I'm not hating on you at all, my friend. So, <laughs> Mike Morgan, we're in mm. the 10th round.
3: Please okay.
0: Share your socials and where we can follow Mike Morgan, not only on Twitter, but any of your other social media platforms, where we can catch you on what platforms for your podcast. All of your medias, let us all know so we can keep tabs and follow along with the man, the magic legend, that is my Morgan.
3: I only do Twitter, if I'm honest with you. And I know this is going to sound like a bit of a contradiction in terms. But I'm really quite concerned in terms of the data creep, in terms of the data which has been exchanged with big tech. So I try and keep it really simple. I'm at mike woe tv on twitter i don't really do facebook i definitely don't do instagram i don't do tiktok i do not do any of the cool kids uh, arenas <laughs> or platforms i keep it simple i'm at mike woe tv if you wanted to follow my um film uh podcast stroke uh, twitter account it's at trash omfg and like i say over there i get to indulge my film passion which is film news and interviews on a monthly basis and every single month on the 15th of each month you can catch my podcast which is trash omfg
0: fan flipping fantastic mike morgan i cannot tell you how much i appreciate you coming on the show today i love that if we're gonna have a switch up and we're gonna have somebody not who is a, a member of the in the ring or in the cage fighting you know persona i love having a a guy like you who i not only i look up to as a podcaster but as a friend i am super stoked to get you on i'm glad people who listen to my show are going to get to know you on a different level get to know you a little bit more personally and uh, i think that only helps everybody moving forward so again dude i really really appreciate you taking your time
3: and thank you so much i, I really you know. Again, I suppose this kind of like segues into something which um, is an appreciation, but also facts. When I was actually um, trying to get content out there, trying to get traction on my content, the one man who came to my aid almost every single time anything was launched, anything was actually um, put out there, was uh, was Zeus from Middle Easy when he when he when he. Um, When he owned Middle Easy, he was the guy who had partnered up with TV in terms of giving us a bigger platform um, to actually, well, I suppose, gain traction and to get our reach out there and to get our name out there. And I just wanted to give a massive shout out to to Zeus because, you know, from a North American perspective, um, he was able to actually ignite that flame. So thank you, Zeus. Absolutely, dude. Well, again,
0: we certainly appreciate you having on,
3: and uh, we'll absolutely talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you again for having me on, Rhino. It's been such an absolute pleasure kicking it with one of the best in the game. This is Mike Morgan, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino.
0: Man, that was fun talking to Mike, dude. It's really, I don't know. It's a whole different thing talking to another person in the media game than it is to a fighter. And, man, what a fun conversation with somebody who not only I look up to, but, you know, it's, it's he's a friend. And he is such an, an excellent interview. I think I'm going to have this guy on at least once once a year, man. I love talking to Mike. That was great. So thank you so much again, Mike. And, of course, everybody check out either the WOCast or Shots Fired or both like I do because it is fantastic content. Thank you very much once again, Mike. All right, let's go ahead and give it to our uh, shout-outs and outro, of course, to our forum contributors today, Rage Street Potato, Steffi Haynes from Bloody Elbow, Shaylin, my dear friend, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, the homie D. Crons, of course, everybody in the Rhino Gang GC, gang, gang, gang. Shout outs to Brat, Miss Fight Diva, Pokey Mama. Thank you so much for posting that picture, Pokey, of your awesome Combat Sports Toronto sweatshirt. That looks so phenomenal and awesome. Thank you so very much. Of course, to my girl, Ashley, the MMA nerd, everyone in the PRG. Mark Keys, the man, and my boxing broski. Check out his newest article from Week Sauce Radio. It is fantastic. My girl, Molly Bell, um, the homie Mixed Man, Unmatched Pod. Both the lovely Pamela's, everybody else. Of course, Adrea, my feature player, D Reigns, the man behind this operation, the, the the engineer, the best in the biz. Of course, Dave Fretz, who puts out the greatest posters in promotional history. My man, the eyesight of graphic design, Dave Fretz. Of course, you guys check out our Red store. Our link is in the bio on our Twitter page. And then the big news for this week is. Stay tuned. I think it's going to be Wednesday, but stay tuned for a brand new podcast. Don't worry, not leaving CSWR, (laughs) but a second podcast called the Lion Fight Podcast, all about the Lion Fight promotion. If you love Muay Thai or if you're unfamiliar with it, if you just love stand up fighting, I'm telling you, you check out Lion Fights on UFC Fight Pass when they have their cards. You will not be disappointed. Dave Fretz and I do watch along as we watch them, and we are hooting and hollering and having such a fantastic time. It is wonderful stuff. The Lion Fight Pod, hosted by me, Rhino, going to be coming at you this week, all about lion fight. My first guest is Ian Greer out of Eden, Minnesota, uh, line fight middleweight, who participated in their fight Um, For the last card, which was Lion Fight 65, we'll have a look ahead of Lion Fight 66, which is May 21st. I'm going to have a very special guest joining me as a constant contributor to the show, which I will mention later on down the line. It's a little bit of a surprise, but she is a very well-known MMA and Muay Thai practitioner. I'll give you that little tease. So, yes. Once again, keep your eyes open for the Lion Fight Pod with Rhino next week. Drop in. It should be awesome. Can't wait for you guys to check that out. Now, as far as everything else goes, man, let's have a great week together, Rhino gang. Be kind to one another. Keep your social distance in in public situations. Call a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Reconnect with people. I mean, I love you guys. The show would not be anything without you. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Kate Sons! We'll oh, oh,